You're listening to the Prairie Town Basement Sessions. I'm your host, Ian Crochat. Hi everyone, hope all is well with you. Hope you had a wonderful week. Yet another week is in the books. It's a mirror of these weeks just kind of blowing on by. Just so wild to me. Anyway, thanks for joining. If you've joined me for the first time, welcome to the podcast. And if you're returning once again, I really appreciate you coming back. So, I've been very busy here at the Prairie Town Basement Sessions headquarters in Niverville, Manitoba, in my basement. I've been doing so much editing as of late, and because I'm knee-deep in the process, I'm playing back all the interviews, and I'm so blown away by the talent of the artists I've been chatting with. I'm so fortunate to be in this situation where I'm interviewing these folks with just an amazing ability to be able to write a song, record amazing music, promote them and perform. It really does take a lot of investment and a lot of effort. And uh, so good on them. And I'm sure you'll all enjoy the interviews. So speaking of interviews, we're going to jump right into this week's guest. Tyler Boone is an Americana blues alt rocker, singer songwriter based in Los Angeles, California. More about Tyler in the opening act. Today's music industry as we know it is changing before our very eyes. For music listeners, the way we consume music has been simplified. It's accessible. For artists, the learning curve to reach a broader audience is dynamic and ever-changing. Famous geologist Charles Darwin famously coined the phrase, adapt or die. One must adapt or be left quickly behind. The modern-day musician must have many tools in their proverbial toolkit to ensure their art and their brand can land on as many doorsteps as possible. It is a relentless pursuit to grow one's audience while still successfully preserving the integrity of their art. Tyler Boone is the modern day musician defined. Born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina and now based in Los Angeles, this Americana and blues alt-rocker singer-songwriter is pushing the limits of what it means to be an artist and entrepreneur. Tyler wins over audiences with his blistering full band performances or intimate songwriting showcases. Performing remains the focal point for Tyler, which has opened many doors for him. He's had the pleasure of opening up for Sheryl Crow, the Abbott Brothers, Hootie and the Blowfish, and Donovan Woods, just to name a few. He's also been featured in Rolling Stone Magazine, Billboard, Forbes, and the American Songwriter. Tyler also is the co-founder of Artist Formula, which is a record label and artist service, and owns his own gold award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon, which was named the top six in the world by Forbes. He's one busy guy, and we get to chat with him. Ladies and gentlemen, my interview with Tyler Boone. Tyler, welcome to the Prairie Town Basement Sessions, man. Thank you so much for having me, dude. It is great to finally connect. I know we've been kind of playing tag a little bit, and you're you're one busy guy to to get a hold of for sure. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, how's how are things in your neck of the woods there? Good, man. The uh, well, I'm so glad the daylight savings happened, so now it doesn't get dark until <laughs> later. Um, exactly. That was on Sunday. Yeah, I saw saw me and my buddy saw John Mayer on Sunday. That was that was that was dope. Um, right but everything's on. good, man. It's uh, the weather's you know, it's a little, it's actually pretty, uh, overcasty California today, but it's, uh, the weather's beautiful. 
That is fantastic. No, we just uh, went through the daylight savings time as well. And actually some provinces in Canada aren't doing it. So, but we're one of the provinces that continue to do it. And boy, you know, that, that Monday morning, it's, I find it harsh, but, but I do like it right now. Yeah. It's very light out right now. Yeah. I, I dude, I mean, I know like waking up and like the sun's there, it's, but like, I, I so enjoy it where my day doesn't end around like five 30, you know? Are you an evening guy? Do you get out no. after you're done work and spread out or no? Oh, I mean, dude, I I'll rock and roll for sure. But, um, yeah. I get up every day, like usually like around seven. We just have so much going on as a me songwriter wise to my record label to my bourbon label. I'm I'm up a lot to like two, but we're about to like, we're about to get so close to a, a new chapter for everything where it's going to not be like that anymore. So I'm usually I work like all the right. time. But this weekend yeah. I had my lawyer in town with his son and his friend and we saw Kenny Wayne Shepherd, big blues guy. Oh, yeah. And fantastic. Then, and then my other buddies, we saw John Mayer on Sunday. So I, I had some fun this weekend for sure. Very cool. Well, I want to ask you about those business ventures, but if I go, kind of go back a bit for maybe some of the listeners that aren't familiar with you, can you just maybe talk a little bit about your background, where you came, what, where you kind of grew up, how you kind of got into the music thing? Yeah, man. So um, musician first, songwriter first, you know, I mean, like anybody else said that yeah. if you get into it when you're young, you know, in high school and uh, I was Blink-182 and then I was oh, yeah. Metallica and then uh, my dad bought me a a crossroads DVD, Eric Clapton. And it was yep. 2008 and it was, uh, you know, Robert Randolph, which I've done shows with to Doyle Bramall the second, which he's great. And then awesome. like Steve Ray Vaughn type, you know, Austin, Texas crew to then, you know, there was uh then John Mayer was on it. And I was like, I don't like John Mayer. And then, but he played, you know, it looked just like a Steve Ray Vaughn strat, um, yep. tortoiseshell pick guard, but he did like a riff, basically a riff into one of his songs basically it was just like machine gun from uh jimmy hendrix and i yep. was like whoa dude you can play a guitar like that because i was such <laughs> a, like a metalhead i didn't really ever hear it uh you know just like that total typical strat blues tone and so i got really obsessed and then um yep. from then on man just uh from i was i mean i was 16 i started playing guitar but i started touring when i was like 18 like regionally southeast and i was booking all the gigs and this was like you know social media was don't going but I was getting gigs off of like Craigslist. Uh, I was just emailing people like crazy. And then I started opening up for some cool people and started putting out records. And, you know, now it's a, it's a full-time job, but it was, I was just like a guitar nerd that got into yeah. playing and then doing the band thing was never good because, you know, you would start a band and then you guys would mesh and then we were so broke. Maybe we did a couple recordings <laughs> and the, the band would break up and you had to start all over. So yeah. I like, 18 my bass player we used to call him papa john uh and my buddy iv go like, hey we should just call this tyler boone i was like i don't know if that's cool and they're going hey, everyone knows it's your band and so then we started doing that and oh, you know okay. i mean we started doing uh real recordings and then we started open up for like you know cheryl crow to the avid brothers to hootie i mean the, we got well i was pretty young and i was getting a lot of cool gigs for sure Totally. So, yeah. I mean, it sounded, it sounded like you're, you were really kind of entrepreneurial at a very young age to kind of make this stuff happen. I mean, and obviously that continues to this day. You come across as kind of a very seasoned musician and, and you seem still fairly young, like you, but you've been at it for a long time. It sounds like since 18. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 32, you know, I'm always tired. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, when it comes to being a professional and how the music, well, both the music industry, but also like live performance industry works mm -hmm. um you, you could so tell when there's like a i mean because i was us in the beginning but we were like dude we, you know we were getting x's on our hands you know 
because we couldn't drink at the yep. at the club or, or the festival or whatever but we were you know like you know you can tell when someone's really nervous on stage when it's like sound check because they've never done it before like a real sound check not like a pa system in a bar you know yeah and so um you know it's that's just like yeah, yeah cool all right that sounds good boom you know and then now living in la you know i also i used to also help run a recording studio for years so that was a leg up on just you know that kind of that kind of stuff too um with the band called shinedown uh, my buddy hoogie yeah. he lives in canada he's the yeah. uh he's he's eric bass's tech so he's oh, he's perfect. from canada it's called hoogie on the road that's like his brand um he's we do a lot of stuff together but i used to run cool. i used to help run the eric bass shinedown studio out of charleston because that's where he lives funny enough um, where i'm from but, right. but i'm just saying that but now living in la man now i got like just you know i could put my guitar down and walk off stage and they could finish the song that's how good they are you know what i mean yeah. like I, I don't, they're just they're definitely seasoned so it's always cool to to you know when i moved here to la it was cool on that front when it came to players because i always kind of I'm not saying I was better than everybody else in Charleston or, or Nashville. Nashville's got good players too, but it's really nice to get people that can bring you up a little bit where you're like thinking twice as hard, like, all right, cool. I got to make sure I'm on point yeah. today. So yeah, yeah exactly. Man, I, yeah. You mentioned like, so you mentioned that you live in LA now and you're from uh, kind of the out East. So, but East Coast, it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. You seem to really capture the essence of LA, like in your posts and in your music. I, that's one of the things that I really have noticed. Um, it's, it's a real presence there. It's almost like if I were to, if I was going to go visit LA, I'd probably just look at your posts and see where, you know, where you ate uh, some of the places you had coffee or just some sure. beautiful scenery. So it's obviously got a lot into your soul. Yeah. You know, I am so excited two weeks. I'm moving uh, to a place called miracle mile. And so that's like the heart of like LA. That's basically it's mid city. Okay. And uh, uh, I used to live in Hollywood when I first moved here and it was really exciting. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm finally here. Cause I used to play shows here forever. Um, but then COVID hit like six, seven months later after I moved. And so I didn't really get mm -hmm. to enjoy living up that way. So I, I'm now down in a place called San Pedro, which is by Long Beach, yep. which is still freaking beautiful. It's, it's like beautiful. only like 20 minutes from the airport. But um, even though I live over here, you know, I'm always up there. That's where my friends are at. That's kind of like where, you know, I guess, you know, any town's got a scene. So I'm very excited. I'm going to be back up that way. I'm not going to move back to Hollywood. Hollywood's dirty, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's very close to it. It's it's like, it's in the middle of West Hollywood, Culver City. And it's got a lot of, uh, it's got a lot of cool Los Angeles history over there. So, uh, and we're that's playing, we're playing the Troubadour coming up too uh, in June. Oh, wow. So that's okay. Cool. Uh, a very historical uh, venue, obviously. Um, I think, I you, think tickets go on sale tomorrow. Okay. Okay. We'll make sure that we'll share that out on the podcast feed here. So are you a, like a, a music historian? Like, like there's a lot of history, obviously. I, what something I'm thinking about is like Laurel Canyon and a lot of the musicians oh, yeah. that came out of that, you know, that the Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Buffalo Springfield, all that kind of stuff. And you're yeah. kind of living out there and, uh, and then you mentioned you're playing the troubadour. So I'm just kind of wondering, are there, are there ghosts or are there, are these kind of spirits that kind of drive you a little bit from the past? Well, so uh, we did this tour in 2019 with a band from here called um, uncle Dwayne's band. And some of those guys still play with me. And then my guys from Charleston and we, and we wrapped this big sprinter van in Boone's bourbon. It was like a Southeast tour that I basically booked all the shows except like one of them. And mm -hmm. there was a guy on the bus and Randy Ray Mitchell, I was talk, talking to him earlier. We just did, we just did a track together, but we you know we didn't finish it. But it this it'll be on my next record. But we we're just kind of texting each other, and he's an amazing guitar player. And the funny thing is, he's like, "Hey, are you related to Daniel Boone?" I'm like, "Yeah, actually, I am." He goes, "Holy shit, we're cousins. We met on the bus together." And he is from that era of the Laurel Canyon. Every time I go to, so he has this house in um, 
it's it's near there. I think it's near Studio City. And so uh, okay. every time we go there and record and everyone leaves, he just has all these stories of like you know, back in the day, you know, when everyone was on, came back from tour, you know, we'd be in Laurel Canyon and we'd be playing this place and this place and this place. And I was like, man, oh, I, wow. wish, I, I wish that shit still happened. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't oh, really... It doesn't really happen too much. I mean, there's there's still places that people jam and stuff, but it's not. It's just like a pay for play situation. Usually, it's like it's not like a jam yeah. thing, you know. So yeah, and yeah, what come across? I remember, uh, you know, that's an interesting story. Like, because I it, it kind of comes across in that documentary. I remember seeing in Laurel Canyon about that sense of community, right? Like, uh, yeah, totally. N- no ego. You know, people are are trading ideas, and you know, if someone takes it in the direction, there's it's no there's no envy. It's just everybody's sharing music. So, so I was going to ask you about just you're you're busy, obviously. So, but you're a songwriter as well. So, how do you kind of compartmentalize? Your how do you time? find the time? <laughs> yeah like where is it where is it where does it come from well you know i got a song dropping friday um and i'm so excited because that's like the best thing in the world right and so um but that song took a long time to do because i was just so busy i did it in nashville i did it two times in nashville and then we finished in charleston at the shinedown place but uh we're about to raise this money for the boone's bourbon so i don't have to keep funding it personally because it's a lot of work and it's just, it's just not sustainable. I can't keep working all the time like this. So we're about yeah. to do that coming up here, like, dude, maybe in a week or two. And we're so okay. excited. And so it'll turn, it'll change the whole company. But what I'm getting at is wow. I just, I just work a lot. Right. And so I can't wait until we do that because I try and do like a Tuesday or Thursday thing where it's mm-hmm. like today is just music. Right. And so yeah. when I first moved to Hollywood, people don't know this. If you're BMI or ASCAP, you know, this is like the business mind popping on like for your yep. pro for your for your royalties um you could just hit them up and be like hey do you, is the writing room open right and most people don't know that and so oh, in nashville wow. i used to do it all the time and so in la i was my buddy sean he uh i mean he's got laurel canyon stories too his dad's the keyboard player in the nitty-gritty dirt band oh right on. but but we started ours format together and uh but he used to work for doc mcgee which is like kiss and vintage trouble and and so their office was in the bmi building in west hollywood so same thing I'm trying to get back to once we do this capillaries thing is where, you know, maybe I go get a room somewhere or just out of my apartment where like twice a week, I just write. Cause if I don't do it, cause I would go down there twice a week just to get out of the house wow. have a clean room. They have a whole bunch of like Tapo Chico water in there. It was dope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I would just yeah. write and I, and I wrote some songs that, you know, I, I released and I was like, man, I remember writing those and that'd be in my room. So, um, you know, you just kind of, kind of have to eventually treat it like a business and like today i am doing this because if not i mean dude i could yeah i can work all day all day because i get so many emails so i i mean not it's it's just what how what ours formats have been to but um yeah I mean, i'll just try and just write you know i i'm writing a full-length record right now and i got a full okay. book full of like tons of ideas for songs i have three songs done and i want to do a 12 song full length so i got nine more to go that's very cool. Like, you know, you, I imagine someone like you, like, I mean, uh, your, your music is great. Uh, it's, it's very diverse in a way too, though. Right. Like when I first started hearing your music, I didn't know that, you know, some of the more Americana rootsy, uh, yeah. music, like, like, let's say like a new song called Austin. So that's an old I, one, I, man. Wow. It's, it's, it's <laughs> cool. I love it. I actually really like it. And so, um, I guess you, you're not limited by you know, like you could, you could dress it down as well. eh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that's the coolest part of the music industry. They, you know, DIY, like, yeah. you know, do whatever you want. Well, here's a good example, just cause I saw John Mayer on Sunday. So he put out new light in 2018, right. And it's like a total pop thing. Right. 
and it's got yeah. like a beat drum machine in it. It's got real drums in it too, but it sounds like a dance remix tune, right? Well, mm-hmm. that came out in 2018, but his album just dropped and that single's on there, right? And then he's got Americana stuff on there and then he's got really weird, awesome, like, uh, sounds like, you know, driving through the desert on acid, wild blue, you know, it's like a total yeah. Grateful Dead tune. And so that, and, but I'm just saying like he, and then he, but he also had a song, um, even if I just feel like it came out in 2019, but they're all yeah. on the same record and they're all different. And yeah. when, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that is so cool because there's no rule book. You know what I mean? So like, if you want to do Americana, 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 then like a Jack White, Gary Clark Jr. Black Keys song. Um, so yeah, I just, and also too, man, like it just gives more opportunity for more listeners and then for more live opportunities too. Cause I do Americana Fest every year in Nashville. It's like South by. And yeah. obviously we'll rock out and they have a lot of blues there. They had Kingfish. That kid's awesome. He was one of the headliners this year, but, um, and they had buddy guy before, but like they more lean towards the acoustic songwriter stuff. So, um, I think it's cool to do both, you know? So I, I love it. Yeah. It seems like you're not afraid to kind of, uh, just push the limits. I mean, even a song like, uh, is it paper wings where you, you have that, that the original version maybe, and then there's a remix. I, and yeah. I, and I, and I like both of them, right? Like I like both of them for, for different reasons, uh, which I think I guess, again, appeals to a broader audience. Yeah. That, that, that's a really cool dance remix. That was my favorite one. We did, I have two other ones and I, I'm with this next full length record. I just give my stems to, to this guy, Majid Fick, who I, he was like the first guy I ever recorded with when I was like 18. And, um, he's really good at doing that stuff. So he made all those dance remixes and it's cool because cool. when it comes to the business type artist formula we create playlists with ads all across the world and so you know some place i can't put in my americana songs in but i could put in my dance remix songs and it makes Absolutely. your spotify get big
You ever think that maybe you're just kind of perfectly positioned for, for being the modern day musician right now? You know, the, I, you, you mentioned do it yourself or DIY, like you, you have to have so many tools in the toolkit now, right. That are fairly yeah. sharp. So like, tell mm -hmm. me about that. Like you're, you're quite positioned nicely. Yeah, dude. I don't think I, I don't think I'd have a career if it was like the nineties or 2010s because the internet. Right. And yeah. so you had to get signed and, and then it was all about distribution like I used to help manage a band called Driving and Crying, big Southern rock band. Um, and so, but they do like Americana, punk rock, blue. They're, they're, they're like a record collection of dope. But what I'm getting at is right you know, they got signed in like 88, 89 to uh, a Universal, whichever uh, Island Records under Universal. And like, next thing you know, man, you go into a record store and there's vinyl and a CD. And you as a consumer are like, oh, this band yeah. must be famous, right? And that was the kind of, that's the way I look at it back then is like, if you got in this record store, you were a product and people bought you. You know what I mean? That's right. And so that's right. now it's not like, like it was at CBGB or whatever that CD store was. Like when I was a kid, like CB something. That was yep. a big thing. Best Buy. You know what I mean? Like now those CD sales have completely declined and it's all about streaming. And so vinyl's still dope. But I'm saying, but yep. like now you can, you can really steer your career online because like I had a record deal once and it was horrible. And I had to buy my music back. And it was, you know, whatever. My lawyer even told me, don't do this thing. But I just went to LA and I was all excited. I was like, yeah. oh, it's a record deal. He goes, well, what does that mean? And then I learned a lot. I was like, yeah, what does that? And so it doesn't mean shit. That's just a contract. And so it's whatever they're yeah. offering you. And it was a bad one. Anyway, all I'm saying is if you have the, you have the best distribution deal, which I, you know, Artist Formula is also known as Artist Formula Record Group. We have a distribution deal, right? And it's like top tier. We can pitch to official things and no matter what, though, the biggest thing is it goes out to all the stores because a lot of the smaller distributors, they, they'll they do Spotify, Apple Music and Pandora and whatever. But there's mm -hmm. other ones that, you know, there's a lot of stores that aren't all across the world. But the biggest thing is that they that you get collected worldwide. And a big one is YouTube. Right. And so these other distributors, they'll they'll go get your YouTube, but they'll claim your publishing temporarily on some kind of like, you know, you know, it's like an iTunes agreement. You don't read it. You just click it and go, yeah, go get my YouTube money. And so yeah. you lose, you lose opportunities there as it sinks and stuff. And so a best distribution deal is where they, they collect worldwide. They set up your sound exchange where that's like also more internet money that you're not get, collecting if you don't even set it up. Yeah. And then just the best services. So like you said earlier, like if, if you have all those things sharpened up, you know what you're doing, you know, that's what record labels do. The only thing a record label has like a yeah. real one is a bank account to promote you. Right. And so yeah. if you have somewhat of a budget and you can do it on your own and you can grow your social media and you know how to do the Spotify thing, which you just do it, you do it through ads. That's how everyone does it. What I'm getting at is if you can do those two things and you can grow your, your fan base huge and you know, it's like a real number, right? You're not like buying fake stuff. If your social media is so freaking 
tuned up and it grows every day, you know, no one can take that away from you, you know, so you could eventually maybe get a big record deal one day because you've grown this huge, you know, business of you as an artist. Right. But right. if not, I mean, dude, like, you know, you can go hit the road and tour. And so like we, when we raise this capital, we're just going to boost all the numbers up for the bourbon and for the Tyler Boone music. And then like, you know, I'm already playing, I'm already booked on some huge festivals and it's cause like I have a following there and it's cause I spent, I mean, all my freaking money into it, but if you could yeah. do social media, dude, it's, it's game over. I mean, it's all kind of like a numbers game, unfortunately, but that's what the industry is these days. It's like how, how good your social media is it real, you know, that, that's, that's kind of it, dude. I mean, that's how we connected, you know? Yeah, well, exactly. And I think, you know, I was talking to somebody else in another interview around just the art of the hustle. Right. And I, I just find that like the more and more um, musicians that I, befriend it's just there's a common denominator for the very successful ones not that they don't have musical talent they certainly do mm -hmm. but their their social media game and the ability to be able to network online is is so sharpened um, mm -hmm. and, and they're constantly looking for an opportunity like it's it, it's it's just it's non-stop can you relate to that yeah i mean it's instagram is a toxic place too you know you got to take a break from right. it because because, you know, I get DMs all the time. Hey, man, can you share my music? Can you share my music? Like, it's everyone is trying to get the numbers up. And then in, if you're some huge famous person, you know, they're getting paid to post. Like, it's all about it, you know. But one thing that turns me off the biggest, and, I, and this is the entrepreneurial side, and I always watch those kind of like interviews and stuff. And I forget his name. He's It's not Mr. Wonderful, but it's one of those guys from Shark Tank. And he's the, he's, yeah. he's the guy that like his dad worked in the factory when he was young. Um, that one, he's like really nice. He's, he's like yeah. the nice one. Yeah. Uh, he, he had a, he had a great interview where he's like, you know, and it, it's true. It turns me off too. When someone goes, Oh, I just, I just need my, and Joe Rogan did the same thing too. He's like, I just need my big break. Oh, I just need that. I'm like, no dude. Or even Gary V talks about it. It's like, stop saying that. Get, I mean, that, that just, it gives me like goosebumps in a bad way where I'm like, yeah. man, like you need to create your own, you can create fame out of out of, you know, yeah. hustle. And so when someone says that, I'm like, dude, like, like, uh, uh Sturgill Simpson, right. I love him yeah. to Jason Isbell to, you know, Chris Stapleton. He's huge. I mean, those guys are big too, but like, as an example, those guys are talking Americana music, like they have, or the black keys, even though they said they were going to go back to Warner, they just, their song just dropped and it came out with Warner, but you know, they talk, they all talk about like, you know, it's about, uh, the business side of it. And if you're, if you're yeah. one of those artists where you're like, man, I, I am all about my art, man. That's all I got time for. I'm like, dude, you're, then you're wasting your time. You know what I mean? Like you, you're going to have to take a step back and, and do the business side because why would I, cause all the time people hit me up cause they, it's the whole, um, you know, hashtag looks like a record label. Technically we are, but I'm not signing anybody, you know, I'll, I can yeah. distribute your music and you can leave it anytime, but I'm not writing you a check. And what I'm getting at is they'll see that and they go, well, I just need you to help me out. I'm like, mm, that's not what we do. And number two, like, that's a red flag. If I was your manager, I'd be so mad at you because you got to be hustling every day as I'm hustling with you. You know, and most absolutely. artists don't want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then I, I feel like, I mean, I, I'm one of those guys too, that I've been playing for a long time, but, and I took a break. So in between the break, like prior to the break, it was putting out CDs and, and trying to get like physical copies in people's hands. And, and it mm -hmm. was, pre it predated social media. And I come back into a social media world where I, it's like worldwide distribution. And I just think I, 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 I opened my eyes to how, how much you need to promote yourself, the, the investment it takes, the, the team that you need to build in order to make it, make a successful music career. Now. I remember 
the first couple, you know, EPs I made, you know, it was exciting to go to, oh my gosh, what was that? C- like CD disc or disc maker or something. Oh, Everybody yeah. used them. Yeah. And it was cool. It was cool. But I remember my buddy, Chris out of Nashville, we went to, we went to college Charleston together. I was living, he, he helped me out. I had, I had to live with them for a little bit and I was living with them and we were put on this big show in Nashville uh, with us, another band. And it was like, you know, I think we almost sold it out. It was cool. But he, cool. he got his cover art back and his name's Chris. And he, for, like he, it was a great picture of him. Da, da, da. But he like did the, the actual like editing for it. And he forgot <laughs> his R so it says Chiss Wilcox. Oh, <laughs> no. And so still to this day, I'm like, hey, what's up, Chiss? And he hates it. He had like a thousand of them. I was like, dude, that's not your name. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you on can't a thousand go back, CDs. Right? Yeah, dude, I mean, he was known as Chiss Wilcox after that. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's a name yeah. I'll keep, keep, keep with you.
I have to ask you though, like, so the bourbon, what, what's the story behind the creation of the bourbon? Well, that that's cool, man. Thanks for asking. That happened 2015 when I was living with Chiss Wilcox. <laughs> uh, when I, was with Chris. <laughs> I had a management deal prospect. It, it didn't happen. And I'm glad it didn't. It, it was a very big country artist. It was, it was um, Kenny Chesney. And so okay. I couldn't think of his name. And so, uh, but back then, 2015, you know, floor Georgia line and like pop country, I call it bro country. Bro country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, this, it's, it's still around, but the, but the, it sounds a little different these days, but back then it was like full blown power chords and pop music. It was wild. Right. And so, uh, you know, singing about red dirt and beer and I want to roll my window down girls, get some tequila. I think I want to yeah. see it like shit like that. And I was like, dog oh. ran away the truck, you know, yeah, dude. Truck, yeah. And then it's like, you know, all of a sudden chorus comes in, it's three major chords and a minor chord. It's a pop song. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, uh, that was the deal. You know, if you watch Sonic, I always say this when someone asks about the bourbon, I always mention this. So if you watch Sonic highways, Foo Fighters documentary that Love came it. out around them. And what the Nashville episode that got Karen Underwood and Dan Arbach and they're talking about the music road deal where they go, you know, they get you Ian, right. And then, and then you, you get a publishing deal. You'll, you might get a, you know, a lyric in there, but they're going to go get all the big writers. Yeah. And then, cause you, have you been to Nashville? Have you been there? I have not been to Nashville. That's on the, the list, short term well, list. It is definitely super cool as a musician. The first time you drive down music road, because it's just, you don't see this anywhere in the world because when you, someone gets number one, whether it's a small publishing company or it's Warner music at the very end on 16th, and I used to live on Music Row. I was the first building on 16th. I used to call it Harry Potter's Closet, but like I was there, you know, it was a shitty, shitty location, spot. location, location. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. I would every day I'd go for a run. And I, I remember one day I was like, before I, I moved back to Charleston, start the bourbon, but I was like, I need to soak this in because I'll, I'll never live right here again, probably. And so it was yeah, cool because you'd be no driving. And so anyway, uh, when you drive down there, you see these people that put these banners and it says like number one hit. You know, and because in the country world, it's all about to get number. I mean, obviously, it's good to have a number one, but country people love to promote that. They'll be like, "I got yeah. my three number ones." Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and and so that's okay. what the the music road deals. So they get in, they get a publishing deal. Those writers, what I'm getting at, they'll write your record, and then because they have a huge name, and then they get a record deal because they have a bank account to go to radio. Because like my single drops on Friday, and I always go to radio. I always go to AAA. That's a format that I that I'm I very much fit in. And I'll do active rock too, because they can kind of pull from AAA. But what I'm getting at is to break a, a single, it's like a quarter million dollars. I don't have that, right? To so go number one. And so that's why you get a record deal, because they do that, right? And next thing yeah. you know, the, the fourth thing on the wheel is, now I got number one, now I'm a product. And so that was the deal, but it was going to be like red dirt and beer. And I was like, I, I was like, I don't even sing like that. I remember the last meeting we had too, all these managers, and they were like, I manage this guy. I was like, eh, I know him. I manage this guy. Yeah, I know him too. I was like, holy shit, this is a big deal. Um, they're like, who's your favorite country artist? And I was like, um, Will Hogue. And they were like, mm, he's Americana. And I was like, mm, I know. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. do country music, dude. And so eventually the deal didn't happen. And I just knew I wasn't going to do it, you know? And so, and also I was 25. And so I knew, I was like, dude, you're young. Any other, every other person in Nashville is gunning for this opportunity. I was yeah. like, but like, like, dude, this is not even you. Like I, everyone there that does like the whiskey jam, which is great. They, they have rock and roll dance too, but most of the time it's like that kind of vibe to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, everyone at like the, you know, everyone has their Opry debut. I was like, dude, I'll probably never do that because I just don't fit that. You know what I mean? So I just yeah. knew that, um, I just wasn't going to do it. 
But because of that buzz, not because of me personally, but because of that shit going on, my uh, I someone came along. It was actually my friend's dad, a whole bunch of other people too. There, I was telling about. It, he goes, "Oh, this is a good idea. You should do it." It is like you should start a spirit with your name on it. It'll be really good for you as an artist and a brand. And so, long story short, and this is the end of the, the whole rant. Uh, I was like, "Holy shit! What's this whole bourbon thing?" Because I was 25, 26, and you know, I drank like Jim Beam or Jameson at the yeah. bar and not like a bourbon. And so I just kind of dove into it and I had no idea that there's this whole culture to it. And so being in Nashville is not very far from Louisville, which now we, we do a lot of stuff in Louisville too. Basically what happened is uh, I figured out how to do it. Didn't have the money. That guy didn't have the money. Uh, I moved back to Charleston for eye surgery. Uh, and the last thing you need in the United States is uh, every state it's all state driven and it's all a three tiered system where me, the supplier sells it to a distributor and the distributor sells it to the account. Right. Um, so yeah. that, and it's, so you can't, you can't even start if you can't get a distributor. You know what I mean? But yeah. you gotta have, a, you gotta have state license, all compliance and stuff. You have to pay for it every year. Federal's easy. State's not. And in every state's different. And so I moved back to, to Charleston. I had eye surgery. I had like a, I have like a crazy eye thing. And so I had to go back home for it. I was going to move back to Nashville and I hit up this distillery called the Stripe Pig Distillery. And the strike pig is like a prohibition thing where they would go to like uh, all around and be like, hey, you want to check out this striped pig behind this curtain? And then you would go back there, pay them a ticket, and then they would give you a cocktail. It was like, oh, it was wow. a whole, so that's why it's called that. That's like a the cool name. That um, is very but, cool. But uh, uh, they're like, hey, dude, like we can white label this for you. We're not doing so hot. Like we need more business. We can create it for you and you can use all our licenses. And I was like, what? And so I wow. stayed. And that was 2017. And so 2018, uh, I got my dad who was semi-retired. I was like, hey, man, you're not doing anything. You should match my money. And so we started it. Uh, it was like 223 cases locally, Charleston. And then now, uh, come May, will be four years. And we're like in 28 states, about to do Canada. And we're about to raise. That's now incredible. it's a full-time thing. Is the bourbon opened up things for you musically? Totally. So I would get, when I first started it, I, just, I was just trying to get distribution deals in other states. And so I would see artists that I really liked. There's a guy from Canada. You might know him. You know Donovan Woods? Yep. Love him. And so, and so the first time he played in Atlanta was at Eddie's Attic. And uh, I was obsessed with him. And uh, still, I mean, he's, now he's freaking huge. But uh, he was more like the songwriter turning into the artist, right? He was really big on Spotify. But, but it's called mm -hmm. Eddie's Attic. And it was a songwriter venue. And it was like 300 people. And, you know, being from Charleston, I always play Atlanta. And, you know, John Mayer got to start there to all his people. Dave Ryan Harris plays there a lot. And so I was like, I hit, him, hit up his agent. I was like, hey, you don't need to pay me. I'll just come. I'll just come there. And all, my goal was to hit up Eddie's Addict. I used to manage driving and crying. They're from Atlanta. They play there all the time. I was like, hey, remember, remember me, Eddie's Addict? Hey, I got a bourbon. It's going to be 300 people. We're going to promote the crap out of it. You'll sell out that night. And so because of that, I would be, go to a distributor and go, hey, look, I got a sold out show. Will you pick me up? And so I used to do that. And that's wow. just one example, but I would do it all the yeah. time. And next, you know, we have a distribution deal. And so, um, so yeah, but then like, you know, coming up, um, I mean, I've sponsored many things like Lighting 100, the big AAA station in Nashville that we're doing. Like, you know, my song drops on Friday, but I'm Boone's Bourbons are lead sponsor coming up for a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to, awesome. they're going to play my, they're going to play my song. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so they got you covered. You mentioned yeah. the single, I've been meaning to ask you, what is the name of the new song? So it's called it's called Wicked Girl, and it features a, a, a client of mine and now a friend, uh, Peter Keys from Leonard Skinner. Uh, he's playing B three on it. Um, it drops awesome. this Friday, so it's it's very much like a 
um, Jack White, Hendrixy tune. But you know, it it sounds you know it's it's definitely bluesy, but it's pretty heavy. It's cool. So I'm excited. Very cool. We'll make sure that we uh, will actively promote it on the on the podcast here. Listen, man, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. It, uh, I've been kind of looking forward to this conversation for a long time, and uh, it certainly uh, blew my expectations just because you're just uh, a very engaging guy and uh, very entrepreneurial, which I think is really fascinating. Where, Thank where you. Can we, uh, so where can people find your music? You mentioned SoundCloud, obviously the streaming platforms. Uh, where can they generally get a hold of uh, info about you? Yeah, so you can just go to tylerboonmusic.com. Uh, you can go to drinkboonsbourbon.com, and then you go to artistformula.com. But, you know, if you just, you know, I'm, I guess I'm pretty fortunate. If you just Google Tyler Boone, you know, shit pops up. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but you know, Instagram, Tyler Booner, that's always, I always talk to people on there too, which is pretty neat. Um, right on, yeah, bro. man. Well, listen, nice chatting with you. And uh, listen, all the best in the, on the new song and uh, in the next couple months uh, with, the, with all, your, all, all your projects. Take care, man. Thanks, man. I'm running to you
You're listening to the Prairie Town Basement Sessions. I'd like to thank Tyler Boone for joining me on this week's show. It was an absolute blast chatting with him, and it'll be kind of fun to see what he's cooking up down the road. Definitely check out Tyler's new tune, Wicked Girl, and all the streaming platforms. For more information on Tyler, you can go to his website, tylerboonemusic.com, and hit him up on Instagram, Facebook, or just simply Google Tyler Boone, and a lot of stuff will come up. This podcast of the Prairie Town Basement Sessions and others can be found on our Anchor link, which will take you to your favorite podcast streaming platform like Apple, Pocket Cast, Spotify, and others. You can also listen to the podcast on KB Radio every Sunday at 12 p.m. Eastern. So look them up and enjoy all their amazing programming. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram under the handle Prairie Town Basement Sessions. And visit my website at iancrochekmusic.com for the latest show information. Thanks for taking the time to listen, everyone. Take care of yourself and others. And until next time, my friends. You are listening to the Prairie Town Basement Sessions. Hosted by none other than Ian Krochak.